How do I know if I'm working with a true fiduciary? How do I find a true fiduciary? Last week, we answered the question, what is a fiduciary? If you missed last week's episode, make sure you go back and listen to that first, especially if you don't know what a fiduciary is. And in short, though, it is someone who is required to act in the client's best interest. He's there, they're required to make recommendations, give advice, etc. that is in the client's best interest, not their own. In finance, you have people who are fiduciaries. They work under the fiduciary standard where they have to act in the client's best interest. And everyone else, unless they're explicitly a fiduciary, falls under the suitability standard where they have to recommend things that are suitable for you, but they don't have to be in your best interest. So we talked about last week, right? That if option A is best for you as a client, but option B pays the representative, the financial professional more money, they can recommend B and just ignore A entirely or make A sound worse or whatever else so that they can get paid more as long as B is actually suitable for you. And so we, we ended the, the discussion with the question like, well, why would anyone work with someone who's not a fiduciary? Right? Why would anyone work with, with a sales representative instead of a true fiduciary? And the answers to that are one, because they think that they are working with one, right? They, they've been told that the person they're working with is a fiduciary or two, they just don't know the difference. And so last week we wanted to cover the, Hey, what's the difference, right? Everyone should know this. Every single person in America should know the difference between the suitability standard and the fiduciary standard. But then today we want to talk about, well, how do we know if the person that we're working with is a true fiduciary? If they're actually are working in their best interests and if we're not working with one, then how would we find one? How do we find a fiduciary financial advisor or fiduciary financial planner? And so let's look at first, again, there's there's so many distinctions, right? And a lot of people, unfortunately, can use some loopholes to call themselves fiduciaries, even though they're not total or true or comprehensive fiduciaries. And I'll break that down in a minute. But first, let's look at the difference between technical and practical fiduciary, technical and a practical fiduciary. Uh, that a technical fiduciary, right, is someone who's legally required to act in your best interest. They they have to, right? According to current law, uh, if if you work under commission, if you sell financial products, sell mutual funds, sell insurance policies, annuities, all these things, that is under the suitability standard. And those are technically any, so. Anytime there's a sale at all, that falls under that suitability standard, and you're technically don't have to be a fiduciary. You don't have to act in the client's best interest under those conditions. They then have the the fee for service model, which is where if a professional is charging a fee for advice or a fee for recommendations or fee for managing uh, assets, then those fall under the fiduciary standard. And so technically, anyone who's getting paid a fee versus a commission is considered a fiduciary from a legal standpoint, and they legally are required to always act in your best interest and give you recommendations and advice that's always best for you, even if it's not as good for them. So if you're paying a fee, then those recommendations are supposed to be in your best interest, right? So here's a shortcut really quick of knowing if the professional is a fiduciary or just a sales professional, right? And that is, if you don't see the fee, they're not a fiduciary, okay? If you don't see the fee, they're not a fiduciary. If you're going through and they're giving recommendations and all their things sound great, it sounds like they're solving your problems and, you know, promising, you know, guaranteed retirement income or, or amazing returns in this 
product or strategy or whatever, and there's no discussion of fees. There's no discussion of what they're getting paid. There's no discussion of what you are paying for this. It's just going to kind of magically all come together without anything out of your pocket. And you don't see a fee anywhere as a percentage or a flat fee or any of these other things. Then that means they're selling products or the sale of some of the products are covering the rest of the recommendations as well. And, and therefore, they're not a fiduciary. They're under the suitability model in that, right? If you don't see the fee, they're not fiduciary. That's the, sh- that's the easy shortcut. So, you know, if they're putting together a financial plan for you and they're really, you know, being comprehensive about it, but you haven't paid them a fee, they can do that, right? They can, they can, they can, you know, you have professionals that will sell insurance, sell the products, make the big commissions on that. And they also do all this other planning as well and, and make recommendations on other areas that they're not necessarily selling a product to cover. And they are, you know, doing a whole, a full financial plan for you. But if, if you never paid them a fee at all, then even that financial plan doesn't have to be in your best interest. And they can recommend anything in that financial plan as long as it's suitable for you. And, and so again, nobody, nobody's working for free, right? They're getting paid somehow. And so you got to know, you know, is the person working with the fiduciary or just a representative of the company that they're working for and the products that they're selling? Right, so that's a technical fiduciary again means you legally are required to act in their best interest. And then you have practical fiduciaries, right? People who practice what they preach. And a practical fiduciary, in my mind, this is not this is not a technical term, it's just how I think about it. A practical fiduciary is someone who in practice, right, they practice what they preach, in practice they give advice that's in the client's best interest. And you can have some people who are sales representatives, right, who sell financial products or whatever, who are practical fiduciaries. They, they actually always want to be sure that they're doing what's in the client's best interest. And so they do a good job of digging in and asking questions and making sure they fully do that. Never, never getting, you know, caught in the commission dollars and all those things and, and trying to be, you know, genuinely give good advice. And so you, you do have some representatives who are not technically a fiduciary. They don't legally have to, to give you best interest recommendations, but practically they behave as one, right? But, it can be really hard to distinguish those people who, for, of all the people who don't have to be, who are not technically fiduciaries, it's really hard to distinguish well, what are the ones that are practically acting in your best interest from those who are lining their own pockets or trying to make the big sale, right? And then the other question you almost got to ask yourself was, well, if you're practically a fiduciary, what's, what's stopping you from being technically becoming one, right? And so it, you know, you, you can be a practical one without being a technical one, but that's very difficult. And I would say most Probably most, it's hard to tell, probably most technical fiduciaries are also practical ones. But I only say most, and I definitely don't say all. Not all technical fiduciaries are practical fiduciaries. And, and how, how could that be, right? How could you, how could you be legally required to act in someone's best interest, but then practically not do that? Isn't that breaking the law? Kind of. Not really though, because there are some fiduciary loopholes that these representatives can sneak through. So let's cover them. There are four that I can think of, at least, fiduciary loopholes that allow themselves to, that allow professionals, financial professionals, financial representatives, to legally call themselves fiduciaries while practically not always being one. Okay, so the first fiduciary loophole number one is a partial fiduciary. They're a partial fiduciary. And, you know, so you have a lot of professionals that are in this hybrid model where they they sell a lot of products for commission under the suitability model and then they offer some services for a fee like investment management or some of these other things and so they 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 have both they work for a broker dealer and insurance company and an investment advisor for the fee based stuff and that's very common probably most financial advisors 
are in some kind of hybrid model like that. And so that means that when they're managing your accounts for a fee, they're a fiduciary on those accounts, but only on those accounts. And when they sell products over here for a commission, again, there's suitability for those. And so when they, when you ask them, right, uh, are you a fiduciary? They can say, yes, I'm a fiduciary. And then in parentheses or under their breath or whatever, I'm a fiduciary on the accounts that I manage for a fee that I'm a fiduciary on. And for all these other things that I'm telling you to do, I'm not a fiduciary. Never claimed I was, but you just asked if I was a fiduciary and I can say yes, because I do this over here. Right. And that's very two-faced. I don't like that at all, but technically people can do that. And, and, uh, you know, they wouldn't probably ever put that in writing and, and, uh, set themselves up for a, you gotcha, but in, in just casual conversation, they can easily give the impression that they're a full, total, comprehensive fiduciary when they're not, which is really unfortunate. Um, fiduciary loophole number one. So, or one was partial fiduciary. Number two is switching hats. They can switch hats. And so, uh, you know, fee-for-service financial planning is supposed to help with this, right? Where in the partial fiduciary, they're only fiduciary on the accounts, but then they can go recommend whatever other products and services they want for a commission uh, over here. You're supposed to then have this this fee-for-service financial planning where you pay a financial planning fee, and then that makes, because you're paying a fee for them to give you recommendations across all the areas of finance, right? Not just investments, not just insurance, but all the areas. Any recommendations that come from that financial plan are technically required to be in your best interest because you've paid a fee for that advice, right? And that's the whole point of paying for a financial plan because then you know, hey, I'm paying the professional. That's how they're getting paid. I don't have to worry about any kickbacks or commissions or their their advice being skewed by a big payout on these things over here. And and therefore, all the recommendations must be in your best interest, right? Uh, yes, uh, unless they switch hats, right? That, that second loophole. Um, so, for example, uh, a professional might determine that it's in your best interest to have life insurance to, to protect your family. Right? You have your, some young kids. You've just got, you know, your your one X, your your salary at work, and that's not enough. And so it's in your, your household's best interest for you to have more life insurance. And so in the financial plan that you've paid them to do, the official recommendation is obtain life insurance to protect your family. And, and you need to do that. It doesn't tell you where to get it. They are not, they're not forcing you to get it through them. They just, in general, hey, in your best interest, you need this. And that's perfect. That's all I'm on the up and up. You do, in fact, need life insurance. You should get it. Um, but it didn't specify where to buy it, how much, and what kind. It just, in general, you need it, right? And then they can switch hats and become a representative, and then come in and fill that. Hey, you know, we said in the planet you need life insurance. Well, let me show you this kind. You actually need this whole life or this universal life or this index variable life or, or whatever else they, they can. And, and so they can, they can recommend a product, right? That's 10 times more expensive and thus pays them 10 times more than the, just the general advice of their plan, right? They can recommend a, a permanent product over a term or something like that. Um, and so the general recommendation was in your best interest, but the specific product was in the professional's best interest. Right? The general recommendation can be in your best interest, but the specific product can be in theirs. And, and they could switch hats from, you know, I'm a fiduciary when I'm writing the plan, and then I'm a sales professional when I'm recommending the specifics of that plan. And you know, the question should be like, do, you know, do companies really do this? Like, that doesn't seem right. Can you, can you really just switch hats and, and without the clients knowing that, that you've switched hats? Cause it's not always that obvious. 
And the answer is yes. I used to work for a company where the parent company was a Fortune 100 insurance-based you know, financial services firm. And they, I remember when they redid their financial planning agreement, and it literally said in there something to the effect of like, hey, when we're making, doing a fee-for-service financial plan and making recommendations in that plan, we are a fiduciary acting in your best interest. But when we recommend insurance products, we are, in that instance, a representative, a financial representative and representing the company, and we're no longer a fiduciary. And it says that right in the contract. But the contract's like 22 pages or something like that. And so people aren't reading that whole contract, right? They're they're seeing their name and their what, how much they're paying and you know a few check marks on what services they're getting, and they're just signing off and paying the fee. And they're not reading all that fine print in the middle. But it literally said that in the contract that they're allowed to switch hats and the client by signing that agreement is acknowledging, yep, go ahead, switch hats, be a fiduciary sometimes, but not all the time. And so it, it happens baked right into the contract, right? We're fiduciaries until we're not. Um, loophole number two, switching hats. Loophole number three would be what I call drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Drinking the Kool-Aid. You have, you have many firms, especially these large broker dealer insurance based firms that have terrific sales card culture or, or terrifying sales culture, depending on which side of the commission you're on, right? It's terrific for them, right? Not for, not for you. Most of their training, their focuses, their, their quotas, their encouragements, their, their culture is all based around the amount of commission to earn and the products sold, right? There's little to no emphasis. On, on fiduciary strategies, on doing what's best for the client, and it's all around that suitability sale to clients and you know who's who's earning those vacations by selling enough products and who's this and who's that. And I know a lot of really good people who work for insurance-based firms and broker dealers, and you know, there's many go to my church, they're in my community, they're good people, but I also know that these good people are recommending really bad products. And I think a lot of that. You know, why, why do good people recommend bad products? And I think a lot of that is that they believe that the products they're recommending are in the client's best interest. They genuinely believe that. They've been so inundated with this culture, with these messages, that what they're doing is actually good for the clients, that they believe it. They've, they've, they've drank the Kool-Aid. And, and so they, when you, when you believe that, right? then they can honestly, with a straight face, say, yes, I'm a fiduciary. I'm always going to do what's in your best interest. And it just so happens that what I think is in your best interest, genuinely, I believe that selling you this product is in your best interest. And so there you go, right? And, and the incentive for them to believe is there, right? Let's go back to our example that we had before, right? Uh, the uh, the, the uh, fiduciary investment management for 1% a year, quarter percent a quarter versus the annuity sale. Right, and putting three hundred thousand to each, right? And if you remember from last week, we said, you know, that that fiduciary advice, if they recommend the investment management, would pay that advisor seven hundred and fifty bucks right now to open that account. But selling the annuity, the the, the suitability sale would pay the professional twenty one thousand dollars, right? So you have seven hundred and fifty bucks versus twenty one thousand dollars, like the sale will pay them 28 times more than the advice, at least right now. And, and don't you think that's enough to skew your, your view a little bit? Isn't that enough to, that, that difference in pay, the, the, the way that you're incentivized to do one or the other, do you think that has any effect at all on, on their beliefs about what is actually in your best interest? It, it surely does. It surely does. And that promise of that huge payday can coax people into believing 
that it's actually in the client's best interest to recommend it. And as W. Edwards Deming once said, right, a bad system will beat a good person every time. A bad system will beat a good person every time. So you have good people that are caught up in these systems, these sales cultures, these, you know, constantly ramming these messages home and then massive differences in incentives for what to sell. And it becomes easy for them to believe and drink the Kool-Aid that these products are best for their clients. And then the last loophole, right? So we had, uh, Partial fiduciary, you're a fiduciary only on some accounts. You have switching hats, you're a fiduciary sometimes, and you can switch over to not being a fiduciary and the client doesn't always know which hat you're wearing at the time. You have drinking the Kool-Aid, they genuinely believe that these terrible products are best for you. And then fourth, incompetence. Right? And some professionals, they just don't know any better. Right. Most of their training has been in sales and product knowledge. And they think that being a financial advisor means to find the best products for people to buy. Like that's their job is to scour all the marketplace and say, hey, here's the best products. So then your best interest to buy this product, not that one, right? Product XYZ is best in its class. Therefore, it's in your best interest to buy this product, not this one, because this is the best product for you. And and they're just ignorant of the best strategies, right? So they, because a a good financial strategy will beat a a financial product almost every time, but they don't pay as much, Right? There's, there's reason the annuity can pay an advisor $21,000 right now while the advisory can only pay him seven fifty because that's how much profit is baked into these products. Right, And so if you just don't know the strategies, you just, you know, you don't have the competence to know that there are better things out there. You can recommend something just because it's the best thing that you know of, but you don't, you're not competent enough to know anything better. So there's four loopholes, right? Four ways that people can call themselves fiduciaries, can claim that they're acting in your best interest but they're not. Um, and so that's where we kind of look at it like what's what's a true fiduciary, right? And a true fiduciary is one who is technically and practically acting in your best interest in everything, right? They're in your best interest in everything. And you don't want to work with someone who who claims to be a fiduciary but then squeezes through some of these loopholes. You want someone who's practically and technically being a fiduciary for you, Right? So how do I know if the person I'm working with is a true fiduciary? Well, it can be hard to tell, right, if someone is one or not. But there's so here's a couple of flags, red flags that I would say that would that would tell you that you're not working with one, right? And the first one again is easy. If you don't see the fee, they're not a fiduciary, right? If you don't see the fee, they're not a fiduciary. So if you if you've never seen the percentage fee, the flat fee, you don't know what they're paying, you're paying them or what they're making, they're not a fiduciary. Right off the bat, you just know it. Okay, that's an easy one. And then second, if they sell insurance or annuities, they almost certainly are not a fiduciary because, again, are all commission-based. They actually make non-commissioned versions of most of the products out there, uh, but nobody sells them because people sell insurance for the big payouts, the big commissions. Uh, they don't sell them because they're the best strategies. And we know this because, again, you can you can literally have the exact same product. One has a $21,000 commission. One will pay 750 bucks right now Same ver- and, and have a lot less drawbacks on the other side, and they'll always recommend the commission version because they get paid more on it. Um, and so if you don't see a fee or they're selling insurance or annuities, they're almost certainly not a fiduciary. And if they are, um, if they do sell them, they they probably aren't. And, and, And minimally, right. I think the burden of proof is on them to prove that they really are fiduciary in everything. If they sell products, right. They're guilty until proven innocent. So what's the easiest way to determine if someone is a true fiduciary. So rather than, than focusing on all the ways maybe that people are not, what's the easiest way to determine if they are a fiduciary? So to ensure that they are a true fiduciary, work with a fee-only fiduciary 
certified financial planner, fee-only fiduciary certified financial planner. So let's break that down a little bit. Fee-only means no commissions ever. They never sell anything that earns them a commission. You know, you have fee-based advisors that will do that will offer some services for a fee, but then also sell commission-based products. But then, you know, and so some of their work is a fiduciary and some of it probably not. But fee-only means they're only paid by you, the client, and never by a company. They never sell commission-based financial products and they disclose all of their fees. So you'll see their fees and there's no no product sales. No, no partial fiduciary, no switching hats. There's nothing they can switch over to in order to get that big payout. They're fee only, no commissions ever. And, and that it helps because then they get paid the same no matter what they recommend. And so there's no financial incentive, right? There's no 21,000 versus 750. It's just 750. It's the only choice they have. And then it doesn't matter what they're recommending inside of that because they're going to get paid the exact same way no matter what, right? Eliminates lots of the conflict of interest there. Uh, fiduciary, right? best interest, always. We're talking about being a true fiduciary so you know what that is. And then the third one, uh, a certified financial planner, right? Verified expertise comprehensively. They, they know all those things. It's, you know, the certified financial planner designation is the, is the gold standard for comprehensive financial planning. And so you're not going to, you know, you're not, you're going to, you're going to eliminate that problem of people just not recommending stuff because they just don't know any better, right? You now have that competence, that expertise, you know, the strategies, and therefore you're going to get some of the best strategies that are out there instead of people just not knowing. Um, so that to me, I think is kind of like that, that financial advice trinity, right? The holy trinity of financial advice, fee only fiduciary certified financial planner. It's the trifecta. You know, it's possible to have a true fiduciary who's not one of those. Um, but the easiest way to, to make sure that you have one is looking for those three things, fee only fiduciary certified financial planner. And the fastest way to find those is to go to fee only network.com fee only network.com. There's a link to it in the show notes, or if you go to, you know, retirementorship.com slash 89 or 88. It'll bring you to the blog post for this. Um, and you can, you know, view all the links in there as well. Um, everyone listed on that site is all three of those things. They're fee only, they're fiduciary, they are a certified financial planner and maybe even better. Um, and so you just automatically sorts out 99% of the financial professionals out there that don't meet one or all those standards. Uh, so that's the easiest way to find, especially if you want to find someone local or somebody who specializes in your field. Um, otherwise, you're, of course, always welcome to check out my financial planning firm, Lacrosse Financial Planning. Uh, we are a fiduciary fee-only firm. Uh, we have always work towards, you know, got some CFPs and anyone who's not currently a CFP is working towards being a CFP as soon as legally possible, right? Um, and so really, I mean, demand to work with a true fiduciary. I don't know why anyone would work with someone who's not. And, and supply follows demand. And so I, I'm passionate about this because I feel like the more client households we get who demand to work with a true fiduciary, who want to work with a fee-only fiduciary certified financial planner, the more people that say, no, I don't want to be sold things. No, I don't want these high commission products that lock up my money for years and that pay you a bunch while costing me you know, thousands and thousands of dollars in fees. I want just good advice. I want good strategies, not products. The more people that do that, the more of those good people who are in bad systems will realize like, what am I doing over here? I should be working for the client, not for these companies. And they'll switch over like we did many years ago, right? We, we, we noticed like these things are not like the fact that I can switch over from being a fiduciary to a sales representative and the client doesn't know it, but they think I'm a fiduciary the whole time. That's not right. Right. When they redid that thing, that was one of the first major red flags is like, there's something fishy going on here. And so the more people that demand that, the more people are going to switch over and, and want that true 
fiduciary advice. So sure you're with one, go to Fioli Network, check us out if you want, and help spread the word of fiduciary versus certability. I think everyone needs to know this. It's one of my main things that I, uh, in addition to equity investing, right, this is probably one of the other big things that I'm keyed up about all the time is, is making sure people are working with the right professionals. There's lots of us out there. There's lots of us out there. It doesn't always feel like it. We're a small percentage, but there's still a lot of us out there. And so you can find one that can help you achieve all the goals you want. And you can be confident knowing that you're going to get the expert advice and that they're going to do what's best for you. And they're not compensated more for doing something that's better for them than it is for you. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Retire Mentorship. If you enjoyed that, you would love being part of our free membership community. It's called Retire Membership, and it has a host of benefits all for free. For example, you can always buy my book, 3D Retirement Income, on Amazon. But if you join us at Retire Membership, we will send you either a hard copy or paperback for free, provide the ebook and the audiobook so that you can listen to it if you don't have time to read it. In addition to that, we'll also provide you with a bunch of content that you can't get anywhere else. For example, we have our quarterly retire mentorship magazine, which comes out quarterly and has no ads whatsoever. It's just timely content to help you stay the course. We also have workbooks for our free online workshop to help you get the most out of those, flowcharts to help you make better decisions, and a weekly email to provide timely content that you can unsubscribe from at any time. We never ask for any payment information and we never share your information with anyone else. We just want to provide timely content and help you stay the course to retire successfully and stay successfully retired. There's no reason to wait. So join us now at retiremembership.com where you can click in the link in the description and it'll go right there. We can't wait to see you in the community. Cheers. This podcast is educational only and is not investment, tax, or legal advice.